Welcome to Archway's Western Civilization History Podcast. In our podcast, we look for the best of the West and discuss the stories, events, themes, and people that made the West different from the rest. Last week, we discussed some of the powers that rose with the decline of Rome. We discussed the Byzantines, who carried the torch of Roman civilization, the Goths, who were the first to invade Rome, but also helped perpetuate the Latin language and culture, and tried to rule as Romans. The Huns, whose pioneering horsemen from the steppes of Kazakhstan dealt a killing blow to the Romans. The Persians, that ancient and longtime rival of Rome, who underwent an, a golden age as the Sasanian Empire in the early medieval period. And finally, we discussed the Turks, who started out as steppe riders, cousins of the Huns, but created a civilization of their own while also borrowing elements from Islamic, Byzantine, and Persian cultures. They were pioneers of gunpowder and used it to defeat the Byzantines, ushering in a new age of world history in 1453. This week I want to shift our focus northward and then westward as we study five more of the great powers of medieval Europe. As I said last week, addressing the important factions of over a thousand year period of European history from the fall of Rome to the Renaissance is impossible to do in two 20 minute podcast episodes. And so, today I'll just be discussing civilizations that I believe you'll enjoy learning about that will also give you an introductory understanding of what happened in the world at that time and how it impacts our world today. Once again, I'll be using the video game, Age of Empires 2, as a jump-off point for discussing interesting tidbits of each civilization. Age of Empires 2 is a real-time strategy game that gives bonuses based on history to players who choose certain civilizations. Our first civilization to discuss today is the Scandinavians, inhabiting the lands of Norway, Sweden, and Denmark from AD 800 to 1100. Also called Norsemen, meaning Northmen, the most famous Scandinavians were the Viking seafarers. But the term Viking only applied to those who dedicated their lives to being sea-based raiders. In Old Norse, Viking refers to a cove where pirates would hide, so essentially this word means pirates. But piracy was only one element of medieval Norse culture, which was actually highly developed for the time. Their society was divided into three classes, the Jarls, which were the aristocracy, the Karls, which were the lower class, and the Thralls, which were the slaves. Women were pretty much equal in Scandinavian culture. They could inherit property, represent themselves in court, choose where and how to live if unmarried, and they could own their own businesses. All religious leaders in Norse culture were exclusively women. The Scandinavians were the first to settle in Iceland and Greenland and spread their culture across the North Atlantic. They founded the city of Dublin. They colonized Normandy. The name actually means the land of the Northmen. And they established communities and trade throughout Britain and Scotland. Their reach extended as far as the New World, confirmed to have reached Newfoundland in Canada, establishing a settlement known as Lons aux Meadows. It's possible that they even made it to Maine and Rhode Island. Their culture left an indelible mark in Western civilization. Their hammer-wielding gods and warrior mythos of the Valkyrie and Valhalla inspired the works of Richard Wagner, J.R.R. Tolkien, George R.R. R. Martin, Led Zeppelin, and many, many more. There's even a whole genre of music called Viking metal. In Age of Empires II, the Vikings are able to produce two unique military units, the Berserkers and the Longboats. Historically, Berserkers were unruly warriors who worshipped Odin, 
and according to Britannica.com, they often, quote, attach themselves to royal and noble courts as bodyguards and shock troops. The berserkers' savagery in battle and their animal skin attire contributed to the development of the werewolf legend in Europe. It is unclear whether the berserker warriors wore bear and wolf skins into battle or fought bare-chested, close quote. Contrary to popular belief, these berserkers were not honored. Most Norse poetry portrays them in a villainous light. The longboat also struck fear in the hearts of its witnesses. When European settlers saw Viking longboats approaching, they knew that hordes of Vikings would emerge to ransack their homes, communities, and monasteries. Longboats were highly maneuverable. They were even able to navigate icy oceans and very narrow rivers. Longboats were also highly personalized, with unique decorations for each individual owner, and the owners would often be buried with their boats. According to researchers at Ohio State, the reason feudalism developed as an economic system was because villagers in Europe sought protection from powerful warlords to protect their homes from the longboat attacks. The second civilization we'll discuss today is the Kievan Rus. Kievan Rus means land of the Rus, which is the name of the region covering modern-day Belarus, Ukraine, and western Russia. In Old Norse, Rus means the men who row. This is what the Slavs called the Vikings. There was a particular group of Vikings who moved from Sweden and then assimilated into the eastern Slavic tribes, adopting their Slavic languages and customs. Ahmad ibn Fadlan, an Arab traveler during the 10th century, provided one of the earliest written descriptions of these Rus. Quote, they are as tall as a date palm, blonde and ruddy, so that they do not need to wear a tunic nor a cloak. Rather, the men among them wear garments that only cover half of his body and leaves one of his hands free. Close quote. In the 9th century, after expelling their rulers from the land, the Rus dwelt in a place of anarchy and war, and despite having no rulers, they were still forced to pay tributes to the Khazars, who were a semi-nomadic Turkish group of merchants. Wanting a better life for themselves, the Rus invited three Viking brothers to rule over them and judge them according to their laws. Two of the brothers died, and so the last remaining brother, Rurik, consolidated power and set up a new dynasty. In Age of Empires II, the Slav civilization represents the Kievan Rus. In the game, their sieve is able to use more wood instead of stone to construct key buildings, and their farms are much faster. This is accurate to real life. The Kievan Rus built some of the most beautiful and long-lasting wooden structures in the world, like the Kisipogost, which is actually the world's largest wooden building. And they also made many other glorious wooden medieval churches. They also extensively used wood in their fortified cities called Kremlins, like the fortress Lubsanka and Tuvrorov. These Kremlins had high wooden walls built on stone foundations and high stone towers within which to keep watch. The efficient farms of the game are in reference to this region being the breadbasket of Europe. Even today, Ukraine is the fifth largest exporter of wheat in the world. Its blue and gold flag represents golden fields of wheat under a blue sky. The wheat we grow, where I'm from here in America, is turkey red wheat, which was brought to the U.S. by Ukrainian and Russian immigrants so it's perfectly fitting for the Kievan Rus to have better farms in the game. While playing as the Slavs, if you want to be historically accurate, consider allying with the Byzantine player. After failing to raid Constantinople, the Patriarch of the Eastern Orthodox Church sent missionaries to Kiev to teach Christianity to the Rus. 
the Rus would eventually become Christian under the rule of Vladimir the Great in the 10th century. He said that he picked Christianity because it had no prohibition on alcohol or eating pork, two of his favorite things. From then on, he and the Byzantines were allies, and he married Emperor Basil II's daughter, Anne. The Rus and the Byzantines profited much from their alliance. The Byzantines received military aid from the Rus, along with the famous Varangian Guard. These 6,000 elite berserker-like shock troopers from Kievan Rus became the honored bodyguards of the Byzantine emperors, replacing the treacherous Praetorians. Meanwhile, the Rus grew wealthy from their trade with the Byzantines and were inspired by their architecture. The Rus also got their language from Constantinople as well. Two Byzantine missionaries to the Slavic people, Cyril and Methodius, rather than forcing their converts to learn Latin, decided to create an alphabet for Slavic languages to teach them in their own tongue. And so the Cyrillic alphabet was born, and church and legal texts were translated into a new language, now known as Old Church Slavonic. This language and religion would spread like wildfire throughout this region. Centuries later, infighting, a succession crisis, and the Fourth Crusade would fracture the empire in the early 13th century. They were then obliterated by the Mongol invasion of 1237. The third civilization we'll learn about today is the Celts. History.com has a nice executive summary about them. Quote, The Celts were a collection of tribes with origins in Central Europe that shared a similar language, religious beliefs, traditions, and culture. It is believed that the Celtic culture started to evolve as early as 1200 BC. The Celts spread throughout Western Europe, including Britain, Ireland, France, and Spain, via migration. Their legacy remains most prominent in Ireland and Great Britain, where traces of their language and culture are still prominent today, close quote. These languages are Welsh and Gaelic. Their history and culture was maintained through the oral tradition of the Druids and the creation of sites like Stonehenge. Both the ancient Greeks and the Romans were familiar with the Celts, as the former hired them as mercenaries and the latter often had to fight them. The Greeks coined the name Celts, or Keltoi, while the Romans simply called them Gali, which means barbarian. They weren't really barbarians, though. After all, the Celts were the first people to invent and wear pants. Nevertheless, they still did prefer to fight naked, and they liked to chop off the heads of their enemies. So it's understandable how Romans could get the opinion that they were a little barbaric. In Age of Empires II, the Celtic civilization honors both of these traditions by being an infantry-based civilization whose most powerful unit, the Wode Raider, is a half-naked, pants-wearing axeman who can be masked to deadly effect. They absolutely massacre squads of pikemen and man-at-arms who oppose them. By the time the Roman Empire fell, most Celts in Central Europe had either been conquered by Germanic tribes, the Huns, or had been assimilated into Rome. One of the last main holdouts of Celtic culture, insulated from outside pressures, was the people of the British Isles, the Bretons in Brittany, the Welsh in Wales, the Cornish in Cornwall, the Picts in Scotland, the Cumbrians in the Scottish Lowlands, the Manx in the Isle of Man, and the Irish in Ireland. Like the Celts of old, these cultures, called Gaelic cultures, continued to be pastoral and clan-based, but still had some notable kings and high kings. 
In the 5th and 6th centuries AD, the Irish particularly latched on to Christianity, starting with the work of a missionary named St. Patrick. It wasn't long before the Irish people were reading and writing in Latin, building some of the most beautiful churches and monasteries of the continent, creating illuminated manuscripts, and producing some of the world's most important Christian missionaries and scholars. The Vikings started harassing the Gaelic people in the 9th century, destroying many of their exquisite monasteries and libraries. This necessitated the launching of armies and centralization of power. New Irish high kings arose, like Kenneth MacAlpin and Brian Baroma, to combat these invaders. But the fractious nature of Ireland's kingdoms and clans prevented anyone from truly ruling the whole territory. It wasn't until the Norman invasion in the 12th century, the Normans themselves being a mix of the Viking Northmen and the Franks, that conquerors were finally able to seize Ireland and thus began 800 years of conflict with the Anglo-Normans, who were the Norman invaders who mixed and assimilated with the Britons. A tribe of Celts known as the Scotti fended off the Normans for a hundred years, establishing the Kingdom of Scotland. They allied with the Franks to maintain their independence. When the Anglo-Normans claimed to annex Scotland in 1296, William Wallace led a revolt leading to the independence of Scotland in 1297. War between England and Scotland would continue all the way till the end of the medieval period in 1603. This brings us to our fourth and fifth civilizations, the Britons and the Franks. After the fall of the Roman Empire, settlers from northwestern Europe, called Anglo-Saxons, moved into the southeastern part of the British Isles. Over the next few centuries, these Anglos conquered, assimilated, or pushed west the Celtic Britons who had inhabited areas in the southeast of the island like Caer Lundin, now known as London, the Kingdom of Kent, now known as Kent, and Caer Glow, which is now known as Gloucester. Meanwhile, according to Fandom, quote, the Franks were one of the Germanic barbarian tribes known to the Romans. In the early part of the 5th century, they began expanding south from their homeland along the Rhine River into Roman-controlled Gaul. Unlike other Germanic tribes, however, they did not move out of their homelands, but rather added to them. Clovis, a Frankish chieftain, defeated the last of the Roman armies in Gaul and united the Franks by 509, becoming the ruler of much of Western Europe. Close quote. By the 800s, the French had united large swaths of the continent, prompting Pope Leo III to crown the French king Charlemagne as Holy Roman Emperor. In this role, Charlemagne kick-started the Carolingian Renaissance, a cultural and intellectual revival in Europe that led to the creation of schools, the funding of great scholars, including many Irish monks, the standardization of Latin pronunciation and orthography, and the beginnings of Romanesque and Gothic art and architecture. Inspired by the reforms of King Charlemagne, England's first great king, Alfred the Great, rose to prominence in the late 9th century. He united the Anglo-Saxons, expelled the Viking invaders, created a legal system based on the Old and New Testaments, and created an education system that made English the official language of their region. This system still remained largely feudal, meaning that every level of society was in the service of the higher levels. In the 11th century, the Vikings would strike back. England would be conquered by William the Conqueror and his Normans. These Normans, who lived in close proximity to the French, 
brought many French legal practices, architecture, languages, and ideas to England, including the idea to build lots of castles. Over the next few decades, these Normans would mix with the Anglos and become one united, assimilated, English-speaking Christian people. The Norman dynasty has continued to this day, and some of its early rulers were awe-inspiring, like Henry I, who brought peace to the land and was the first king to put a limit to his power by drafting the Charter of Liberties. Following Henry, there were some real bad eggs, like Henry II and Prince John. This led the English barons to drafting up the first constitutional document of Europe, the Magna Carta, in 1215. When John elected to ignore this glorious document, the barons invited the French to invade England and depose him. In spite of France occasionally helping out the British, such as in this situation, and occasionally ruling England, or being ruled by England, and fighting as allies in the Crusades and the Italian Wars, Nevertheless, these two great powers often found themselves as adversaries. They fought against each other in 14 major wars, from the Norman invasion all the way up till the modern age, including a war between 1337 and 1453, now known as the Hundred Years' War. This war was an unfortunate consequence of nobles in both England and France laying claim to the Norman lands of northern France. And so you can see, the history of these two civilizations has always inextricably been linked. In Age of Empires II, the Britons player is able to rapidly produce massive hordes of archers with exceptionally long range, including the fearsome longbowmen. Historically, English archers were superior to their European counterparts because, dating back to their Celtic ancestors, they had a long tradition of practicing and revering the bow. Every holiday, they would boast archery competitions, and English children grew up practicing with the bow and arrow. So much so that you could see the wear from using bows all the time on their skeletons and cartilage. English archers were also given far superior armor and equipment than their continental counterparts, sporting brigandines, steel caps, and splint armor. In the game, and in real life, these archers were a surprising counter to the Franks' legendary heavy cavalry. In the game, the Franks are able to rapidly produce huge contingents of heavy cavalry who are gifted with extra health, armor, and line of sight. Like in real life, if these cavalry can get close enough, archers will fall quickly to the trampling and swords of the Frankish chevalier on their sturdy barb horses. Or even more deadly, the legendary chivalrous paladins of Charlemagne's court. But because of the incredible range and unfathomable strength of the English longbowmen, with proper positioning, they could destroy the French cavalry. At the Battle of Agincourt in the Hundred Years' War, for example, the British longbowmen were strategically placed by a woodline and had set up spiked stakes to defend their flanks. This forced the French cavalry to charge them head-on. The longbows were able to strike horses and then their riders as they all had to struggle through mud. In all, around 6,000 of the French's fighting men were killed in a catastrophic defeat. The list of casualties, one historian has noted, quote, read like a roll call of the military and political leaders of the past generation, close quote. 3,069 knights and squires were killed, which comprised approximately 60% of the French nobility at the time. Throughout their shared histories, these two great powers would continue to butt heads all the way up until the 19th century. And that concludes our episode for today. 
Today I introduce you to five more of the great powers that arose following the decline of Rome. The Vikings, the Kievan Rus, the Celts, the Britons, and the Franks. In researching this episode, one of the biggest surprises to me was the influence of the Vikings and how the Viking Age led to Scandinavian culture and peoples spreading from Dublin to Normandy to Kiev all the way to the Americas. I was also fascinated by how the culture of the ancient Celts was continued on by the Welsh, Irish, and Scotty, and how this culture influenced the Anglo-Saxons who used it to fight the French with their longbowmen. Thank you so much for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode, leave us a five-star review and share it with a friend. For more information on this topic, check out the sources listed in the description. I'm Doug Archway, and that's history for you.